Hey everyone, welcome back to Tune Apologetics. Super pumped you're joining us today to have Dr. Nevin Clemenhega. Uh, he's a senior research fellow at Australian Catholic University, and we're gonna be talking about the problem of evil and looking at skeptical theism and like problems that may pose for like natural theology and whatnot. Um, so Nevin, thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited. How's everything down in Australia right now? Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Things are going well here. Um, as I was saying before we start, I'm just getting over a bit of a cold here. Um, but yeah, doing well working from home today. Um, yeah. Fun, fun. And I'm super excited. And as my day is wrapping up, your day is just beginning. So I always think that's super fun um, how we can do yeah. this even through crazy differences and like time zones and whatnot. So let's just get into like the topic today. Do you want to talk a little bit about like who you are, what you do and what got you interested in topics like skeptical theism and like natural theology and whatnot? Yeah. So I'm a, a senior research fellow at Australian Catholic university in the Dianoia Institute of philosophy here in Melbourne, Australia. Um, the, my, the academic titles are a little bit different here in Australia, but it's the equivalent of what you'd call an associate professor uh, in the United States. So we don't have tenure here, but it's, it's basically a tenured professor. Um, so I uh, got into philosophy, like I think this is true for a lot of Christian philosophers, like got into philosophy through thinking about Christianity and the rationality of Christian belief. Um, and that led me to thinking about epistemology more generally. Um, and so a lot of my research is in epistemology, uh, broadly conceived, not religious epistemology specifically. Uh, but I've also done some work applying um, my work in epistemology on probability theory, especially to problems in religious epistemology. So the paper that we're going to talk about today of mine is called, If We Can't Tell What Theism Predicts, We Can't Tell Whether God Exists, Skeptical Theism and Bayesian Arguments from Evil. Um, and this paper is me looking at uh, the particular way that skeptical theists, and we can talk about what that term means in a minute, have responded to Bayesian arguments from evil. And I think the way that, that at least many of them have done so uh, doesn't actually work very well when you dig into a good probabilistic epistemology. Mm. Yeah, that's super great. So thanks for that, Nevin. So let's dive into this. Like, what is this challenge for skeptical theists that you're going to present here that you did in this paper? Yeah, so skeptical theism, as the term is used in the contemporary literature, is a strategy for responding to the problem of evil that emphasizes our cognitive limitations. Uh, for example, our ignorance of the reasons God could have for allowing evil. The problem that I present in the paper is a narrow one in that it doesn't challenge this general strategy, but it just challenges the specific way that some skeptical theists have applied it in responding to one particular formulation of an atheistic argument from evil, namely a Bayesian formulation. Mm. Yeah, it's super cool. And I like this because it seems like, as we're going to roll through this, that like a lot of my intuitions that are going to line up as well with this paper. Um, so what are, let's talk about like, um, like what are these like Bayesian arguments from evil? Yeah, so in the paper, I present a simple version of a Bayesian argument from evil, according to which evils we observe are evidence against theism in the sense that they lower the probability of theism. The argument goes as follows. Premise one, relative to our background knowledge, the evils we observe are more probable given theism than given atheism. Premise two, if that's the case, if the evils we observe are more probable given theism than given atheism, then those evils lower the probability of theism. That is, the probability of theism, given those evils and our background knowledge, is lower than the probability of theism on our background knowledge alone. And then 
it follows from these two premises that conclusion, the evils we observe lower the probability of theism, i.e. our evidence against theism. So this argument is Bayesian in that the way we show the second premise to be true is by appeal to Bayes' theorem, according to which the probability of a hypothesis given some evidence is a mathematical function of the prior probability of that hypothesis, the probability of the evidence given that hypothesis, and the probability of the evidence given the negation of that hypothesis. Now, many proponents of Bayesian arguments from evil will argue for much stronger conclusions than the one I just presented. They'll argue that the evils we observe are strong evidence against, against theism, for example, or that after accounting for evil, theism is less probable than not. Theism is probably false. One can reject those arguments while still accepting the conclusion of this modest argument I've just presented, that evil is some evidence against theism. I focus on this modest argument in my paper because the skeptical theists I'm targeting have denied even its conclusion. And later on, we can come back to whether skeptical theists really should deny the conclusion of this modest argument. Mm. Okay, so we had these like Bayesian arguments from evil where generally what it's looking at is like, like given what we know about the world, um, the evils that we observe are more likely on like um, atheism than theism. So that'd be like an atheistic like argument from um, like a Bayesian argument. And you're saying like, hey, we're going to focus on this argument and show that like a certain response um, from skeptical theists is going to like pose a big challenge that we're going to talk about. So like what is like, um, we, you talk about like the inscrutability response, like what is that and like what's it going to imply when we're looking at this? Yeah, so my target is what I call the inscrutability response to this argument. So in the argument that I just gave, the second premise, the premise that says that if evil is more probable given atheism than theism, then it lowers the probability of theism. That premise is unassailable. It just follows from Bayes' theorem, which follows from the mathematical axioms of probability. So all the interesting discussion surrounds the first premise, that the evils we observe are less probable given theism than given atheism. Oh, by the way, for simplicity, I'll sometimes just talk about evil lowering the probability of theism. But I think it's important to be clear that the relevant claim is not that the mere existence of evil lowers the probability of theism, but that the evils we observe do so. Uh, and that's important because one might think that evils of some kind or other are unsurprising on theism, but that evils of the kind and magnitude that we observe are much more surprising. And I think that the more sophisticated arguments from evil in the literature are, are clear about this and appeal to uh, the particular evils that we observe rather than just the existence of some kind of evil or other. So <clears throat> with that caveat, the interesting premise in the argument is that evil, or being careful, the evil we observe, is less likely on theism than atheism. Now, one might deny this premise. So for example, some theists will deny this premise because they think they have a plausible theodicy that is an explanation of why God would allow evil. Most skeptical theists, though, have not denied premise one outright. Instead, they've argued that we don't know whether premise one is true. We don't know whether evil is more likely on theism or on atheism. That's because our cognitive limitations make us unable to say anything about how probable evil is given theism. We are just radically ignorant of this probability. So this is what I call the inscrutability response. I call it this because it claims that the probability of evil on theism is just completely inscrutable to us. So for example, here's how Mike Bergman puts it. He says that we are quote unquote in the dark about this probability and there's quote, no particular value of range, value or range, short of the range between zero or one, that the probability in question appears to be, end quote. 
here are some more examples uh, from Peter von Inwagen. Uh, von Inwagen uses the letter S in these quotes as a shorthand for the suffering we observe in the world. So he says we are, quote, not in a position to assign any epistemic probability to S on theism, end quote. We are, quote, not in a position to know whether S is what one should expect if theism were true, end quote. And we should, quote, refuse to make any judgments about the relation between the probabilities of S on theism and on the hypothesis of indifference, end quote. The hypothesis of indifference here is an atheistic hypothesis that's inconsistent with theism. Several other skeptical theists say similar things, including Mike Ray, Alvin Plantinga, Daniel Howard Snyder. Um, for those interested in the references and in the sources for those quotes, you, you can look at my paper. Um, so that goes into the details. However, I should say, and I note this in the paper too, that there are some other skeptical theists. Um, two examples are Stephen Weikstra and Ted Poston, who respond to Bayesian arguments in a different way. So I don't want to give the impression that all the philosophers out there who call themselves skeptical theists endorse the response I'm criticizing. As I said, my challenge is a narrow one. It's aimed at this particular response. Not all skeptical theists endorse it, although I do think that the majority of skeptical theists either endorse this response or say other things that suggest that they would endorse it if they were engaging with this kind of argument specifically. Yeah, that's great, Evan. So what you're looking at then is you're, you're saying like specifically you're targeting this response um, to this like specific Bayesian argument from evil where someone's going to say like it's just inscrutable like from a theistic perspective. Like we, we're really like in the dark as Bergman says about like how it's signing a probability like to how likely these evils are on like uh, a theistic picture of things. So that's like kind of the big picture yeah. you're looking at is like that specific claim um, yeah. and not all yeah, exactly. skeptical theism of all the history of philosophy basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So, like, how is this idea lead to what you call like um, theistic skeptic uh, theistic skepticism that we're talking about here? Yeah. So here's the basic idea. Here's here's what I think. Here's why I think this response leads to a certain kind of uh, skepticism about theism. So suppose we have no idea how probable evil is given theism, because we cannot fathom the kinds of reasons God might have for acting or the means that might be necessary for God's ends and so on. Well, then, for all we know. Evil does not disconfirm theism at all, which is what the skeptical theist would like. It may even confirm it if, unbeknownst to us, the evils we observe are actually very likely on theism, more likely than on atheism. But just as for all we know, evil does not disconfirm theism. So for all we know, it does disconfirm it. Indeed, for all we know, it maximally disconfirms it, i.e. entails its falsity. That's because the inscrutability response says that the probability of evil given theism could be anywhere from zero to one. But well, suppose it's zero. In this extreme case, evil and theism are just inconsistent, meaning that the probability of theism given evil is also zero. Now, we might try to modify the inscrutability response to say that we can know the prob prob probability of evil isn't literally zero. Maybe they were just speaking loosely there. They should say, well, we can know it's not zero, but we can't know anything more about it. I, I think that this won't solve the problem on its own though. If the probability of evil given theism could be arbitrarily close to zero, then the probability of theism given evil could also be arbitrarily close to zero. Or it could be quite high if, in fact, evil confirms theism. But the important point is that according to the inscrutability response, we have no idea which of these obtains. So we have no idea whether, given evil, it is likely or unlikely that God exists. Given our radical ignorance about the probability of evil given theism, we can't know whether or not it is probable that God exists given evil. 
So we're simply in the dark about not only the probability of evil given theism, but also the probability of theism given evil. So that's the basic idea. The argument can be made more rigorous by employing Bayes' theorem, which I do in the paper. Uh, that lets us see that if the probability of evil given theism could be anywhere from zero to one, then the probability of theism given evil could be anywhere from zero to n, where n is a number the exact value of which depends on the prior probability of theism and the probability of evil given atheism. Okay, so let me just like see if I'm tracking with you. Um, mm -hmm. So what we're looking at is like we're we have this question idea um, where like the skeptical theist in this specific case wants to say that like we have no idea how probable evil is um, given theism because we just don't know like God's reasons. So evil can't like disconfirm um, theism at all. Theism at all. Um, it could even like confirm it. We may not know it because it was just like in our in our position according to the skeptical theist. Like we just don't really know like how much evil is really doing. So that makes sense to me. But then I'm wondering, like, so what specifically is, like, pointing to, like, theistic skepticism where we just, like, have, we can't really assign a probability to, like, theism in general based off of this? Where, where, where is that happening? Yeah, so um, so there are two steps, and I've, I've given you one step. So, so the first step is that if the probability of evil given theism is inscrutable, then the probability of theism given evil is mostly inscrutable. Uh, we can't know where it is between zero and n, where n, like I said, depends on the prior probability of theism and the probability of evil given atheism. Um, and then there's a further question of, well, uh, what about the probability of theism given our total evidence? So one tempting response to this argument is that even if we can't know that theism is probable given evil, we can still know that theism is probable given our total evidence, mm. which includes a lot of things besides evil. Uh, but I think the inscrutability response rules that out, too. Um, and in a second, and this might help explain how both these steps go, I'll share my screen here. We can we can look at the math a bit more explicitly. <clears throat> but there, so there are some tricky nuances here in, in spelling out the second step about how to carve up our evidence and what order to evaluate it in. I go into the weeds in that in the paper for those who are interested. But in brief, let's assume that we have some evidence that we take account of before evil and some evidence that we take into account after evil. And by take into account here, I just mean calculating the impact of this evidence on the probability of theism. So we have what I called our background knowledge when I presented the Bayesian argument at the beginning of this interview. Uh, that's the evidence that we take into account before evil, and then we take into account evil, and then there's other evidence that we take into account subsequently to evil. So, for example, uh, maybe we take into account evidence of religious experiences or the miracle reports in the New Testament. We want to know, well, what does that do to the probability of theism after we've accounted for evil? Um, so here it is helpful to get a little bit into the mathematics. So I'm just going to try to share my screen here. Mm -hmm. Screen sharing window. <clears throat> yeah, I can see you're sharing your screen. This is helpful for me because we're looking at like what you're trying to say is like, Hey, if we're going to say like the probability of like evil on theism is like inscrutable, we don't know. Um, then a lot of our other common um, like assumptions about things like religious experience or these miracle reports, you can throw in like fine tuning or any of these other things. Um, like we got a question, like do these provide evidence for theism? Like if you want to be inscrutable about evil, like shouldn't we be like potentially inscrutable about religious experience or miracle reports or other things like that? So I think this is super helpful. Yeah, yeah. So there's this question of how. Um does the, do these other evidences uh, enter in here? Okay, so <clears throat> just sharing my, the Word document I'm working from here. So here's the odds form of Bayes' theorem. I'll see if I can zoom in on, on this specifically. Um, 
so this equation lets us calculate the odds of theism on our evidence. So the odds that a proposition is true is a ratio. It's the ratio of the probability that it's true to the probability that it's false. So if a hypothesis has even odds of being true, as we sometimes say, then its probability is one half and its odds are one to one. Okay, so that's this first term here. Are you able to see as I, when I highlight, a, highlight mm -hmm. this here? Yes. Yeah. So, so that's this first term here, this ratio. Um, this is the, the odds of theism given evil. So the odds form of Bayes' theorem tells us that we can calculate this as a function of these two terms on the right. Uh, the first term is the prior odds of theism, that is the probability of theism over the probability of atheism just taken on their own before we've accounted for evil. By the way, this is all relative to any background knowledge um, that we've already taken into account. I'm just omitting that from the equations here for simplicity's sake, but um, it's implicitly there in the background. Okay, so we multiply the prior odds of theism times this second term, which is called the Bayes factor. And this is the probability of our evidence given our hypothesis over the probability of our evidence given the negation of our hypothesis. So the Bayes factor, what it does is it measures how much more likely our evidence is given our hypothesis or given the negation of our hypothesis relative to any evidences that we've already taken into account. Uh, in this case, it's just our background knowledge, which I've uh, omitted from the notation. So <clears throat> in the case at hand, this is the probability of evil given theism over the probability of evil given atheism. Okay, so uh, now according to the inscrutability response, like I said, the probability of evil given theism could be anywhere from zero to one. So in the extreme case, suppose it's zero. Well, you can see why that would make the odds of theism zero as well because in that case the base factor here is zero over whatever the probability of evil given atheism is um, and so this second term is zero you multiply anything else by zero then the product is zero so the posterior odds of theism that is the probability the odds of theism given evil is also zero okay so that's if the probability if the only evidence we have is evil then this tells us that the posterior odds of theism given evil are zero all right, now I'm going to go down to a new equation here. <clears throat> so this second base, this base, uh, or this odds form of base theorem here that I'm highlighting is uh, the odds of theism given evil and M, where M is some more evidence that we're wanting to take into account. So maybe it's miracle reports in the New Testament, say. So the first two terms on the right-hand side are the same. So those are the terms that let us calculate the odds of theism given evil. Now, uh, what we're trying to get now is the odds of theism given evil and M are more evidence M. And to that, we just multiply through one more term and that's the base factor for M relative to the evidence we've already taken into account, namely evil. So that last term, that third term on the right-hand side there, the probability of M given theism and evil over the probability of M given atheism and evil. <clears throat> well, you can make that term whatever you like. It doesn't matter how top heavy it is. That is, it doesn't matter how much more likely M is given theism than given atheism. Because the product of the first two terms is zero, if you multiply it by any other number, it, the product is still going to be zero. So what that means is that if, for all we know, the the odds of theism, and so the probability of theism, given evil, is zero, then for all we know, adding in further evidence, the probability is still zero, because multiplying zero by anything else, you still get zero. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing my screen here.
and okay. uh, go back to my notes. So mm -hmm. basically what this uh, equate, what these equations show is that um, it doesn't matter how much more probable any further evidence that you add is given theism than given atheism, because multiplying zero by any other number still yields a product of zero. And so continuing to add more evidence will never let us conclude that the odds of theism are greater than zero. So no matter what our total evidence is, as long as it includes evil, then we're not in a position to rule out the possibility that the probability of theism given our total evidence is zero. So all we can know about the probability of theism given our total evidence is that it's between zero and uh, this upper bound, which I haven't gone into the mathematical details of, but it's it's going to be probably near one given plausible other assumptions. Mm. So this has been help super helpful. So thanks, Nevin. So I'm seeing how like if you put a probability of zero in, it's going to kill your probability for theism. Um, so how does putting a zero in follow? Because I know that like um, they're saying like it's inscrutable. We don't know. So why are you plugging in a zero for the problem of like maybe like the evil on theism or the, the negation of that? Like where's the zero? That's the one thing I'm not sure about. Where's yeah. the zero coming from? Yeah. So, so what I'm doing is giving like a worst case scenario. Okay. So I'm saying like um, what the inscrutability response says is that we can't know anything about the probability mm -hmm. of evil given theism. We can just know that it's somewhere between zero and one, which is that's just like mathematically it has to be somewhere between zero and one. That's the definition of probability. Okay. Um, <clears throat> And so I'm just giving a worst case scenario. Now I could also give a best case scenario. And, and then, like I said, we'd end up with this upper bound for the probability mm -hmm. of theism. But what the inscrutability response implies is that we can't know where in this range from this worst case scenario to this best case scenario, the probability of theism given our evidence is. So for all we know, the probability of theism, it might be high, but it might also be low. It might be as low as zero or arbitrarily close to zero. And so the inscrutability response implies that we can't know where in this range the probability of theism falls. Mm -hmm. So consequently, we can't know that theism is probable on our evidence, since for mm -hmm. all we know, it, it could be very low. Yeah. So that's why I'm focusing on this lower bound, not because we're committed to this lower bound, but because it's a worst case scenario that the inscrutability response implies we can't rule out. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. And I've been thinking about like, say we can't know. Um, so we're going to take this worst case scenario. And if we play it out, then like when we're looking at all this other evidence, like it's going to be the same boat for the theist and all that stuff that yeah. you think might be pushing theism. If you're going to like be a fan of that inscrutability response, it's going to really take a hit on those other responses. So yeah, I think that's helpful. So at this point then, like, does this lead to like, say, if you want to take this inscrutability route and your argument's pretty sound, like, does this lead to us not being able to rationally conclude that like God exists? Yeah, so there is one further step in the argument that it's important to make explicit. So what I've argued so far is that if the probability of evil given theism is inscrutable, then the probability of theism given evidence that includes evil is similarly inscrutable in that we are in the dark about whether it is probable or improbable on our evidence that God exists. But there is an important distinction to make here. Saying that we can't tell whether it's probable that God exists is different from saying that we can't tell whether God exists. Mm. And some theistic philosophers, I think, will want to resist the inference from the former to the latter. I do argue in the paper, though, that if the probability of theism on our evidence is inscrutable in the way that the inscrutability response implies, then we can't rationally believe that God exists. And my, so my argument goes like this. First premise, there's some threshold of probability such that theistic belief is rational only if the probability of theism on our evidence is higher than that threshold. So I don't say what that threshold is, 
maybe it's 0.9, maybe it's 0.5, maybe it's 0.01, but it's greater than zero, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Theistic belief, in other words, is not compatible with arbitrarily low epistemic probability. So I think that's a pretty modest premise. The second premise, there's a basing requirement on rational belief where one's belief needs to be properly connected to the facts that make it rational. It's controversial how exactly to spell this out, but I think it's pretty plausible that there is some kind of requirement on rationality here. So to pump your intuitions here, imagine that we have someone who decides what propositions to believe by drawing pieces of paper out of a hat. If the proposition is on the piece of paper she draws out, she believes it, otherwise she doesn't. If this person draws out a piece of paper that says God exists and believes it, her belief isn't rational, even if, in fact, theism is probable on her evidence. And the reason for that is that her belief isn't connected to that probability in the right way. I claim that if the probability of theism, given our evidence, is completely inscrutable in the way the inscrutability response implies, then however we go about forming our belief in theism, we're in no better a situation than this person who draws God exists out of a hat. Our belief can't be properly connected to the fact, if it is a fact, we don't know whether it's a fact, but if it is a fact, that the probability of theism, given our evidence, is greater than than the threshold for rational belief. And so our belief is not rational because it's not based on the probability of theism being high in the right way. Mm. That's actually really interesting. So if I'm following you right now, Evan, like say someone like wants to hold like an, an inscrutability response and like answering the problem of evil. Um, and they're like, okay, like I have that, but like I have this like super intense, like religious experience that points me towards Christianity because I saw like God heal an amputee, um, something like that. And what you're saying is like, Hey, if you're going to say the probability of like evil is like inscrutable on theism, we don't know. You need to say like, Hey, the probability of like God healing an amputee right in front of you, like that's inscrutable on theism. Um, like we gotta, like we gotta be consistent here. If that's the case, like you have no way of knowing like how likely that is on theism in the same way you do with like the data of evil. Um, if that's the case, then like that, that, that experience actually doesn't support theism if we're being consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just to be uh, careful. So what I would say is that if you accept the inscrutability response, then you should say that the probability of theism, given that experience you had of God mm-hmm. healing this amputee, that the probability of theism, given that experience and evil, is inscrutable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you can tell that that evidence is much more likely on theism than atheism, what you can't conclude is that theism is probable given that evidence, uh, because theism ends up being inscrutable because you've got this evil in there in your evidence as well, which has inscrutable probability on Mm. this reply to the problem of evil. So that kind of example, I think, I, I, I think it is plausible that, you know, look, if you witness an obvious miracle, um, maybe you shouldn't be certain that God exists. Maybe there are other possible explanations, but I think it's rational to be confident that God exists. If you witness an obvious miracle, and it's rational to think that the probability of theism, given uh, your experience, is pretty high. Uh, but I think that that just shows that the inscrutability response is not very plausible because it has the consequence that you can't tell in that scenario that the probability of theism is high. But it's plausible that you can tell that the probability mm-hmm. of theism is high. Like, forget about what we're rational in believing, um, you know, assuming that you haven't personally witnessed a miracle. Just think about somebody who does witness something that is extremely hard to explain naturalistically. Um, well, it's plausible that that person is rational in thinking that the probability of theism, given their evidence, is quite high. Uh, but the inscrutability response says that, no, 
uh, they're not rational in thinking that. They, they're in the dark about whether theism is probable given their evidence. So I think that that suggests that's kind of a uh, more direct way of seeing that the inscrutability response has an implausible consequence. Okay. Yeah, that's super helpful, Nevin. Um, I appreciate that a lot. And this is hopefully very helpful to people listening. So we got this conundrum here. Um, like, surely we don't want to say, like, you can't trust, like, your religious experiences, like, evidence against um, – or evidence for the existence of God. Um, so in light of everything we've been talking about, Nevin, like, what should theists do? Yeah, so that's a big a big question, um, but let me focus on let me focus on the Bayesian argument I gave earlier and how skeptical theists might respond to it. So I think one issue here is that many skeptical theists seem to commit themselves to denying the modest claim that evil is some evidence against theism. But I think theists put themselves in a bad position when they stake their theism on denying this claim because this claim is really very weak. It just says that this one piece of evidence, the evils that we observe, is better predicted by atheism than by theism to some degree. You can agree with this, but still deny that our total evidence makes theism improbable. There are multiple ways to do this. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one thing you might say, is that while evil is somewhat more surprising on theism than atheism, there are still somewhat plausible explanations that theists can give for evil. So theodicy, the attempt to give explanations for why God allows for evil, it's not an all or nothing game. We don't have to be 100% confident in a particular explanation for evil, say the hypothesis that the evils we observe are necessary for the development of virtue. Even if we think this hypothesis is just moderately plausible, that might be enough to make it so that evil is not extremely improbable given theism. And so that consequently evil may not disconfirm theism to an insurmountable degree. Second, and this is complementary to the first response, these responses are not mutually exclusive. You might argue that we have other positive evidences for theism that outweigh the evidence against theism given to us by evil. So even if evil makes theism less probable, when we take evil together with the fine tuning of physics for intelligent life, miracle reports, religious experiences, and so on, we may find that theism is more probable than not, all things considered. It's very rare that all the evidences we have on a question support one hypothesis over another. Usually we have conflicting evidences that point in different directions, and we have to make a judgment about how they balance off against each other. To be rational, the theist just has to be able to reasonably judge that the evidences for theism outweigh the evidences against theism, not that there are no evidences against theism. So that's <clears throat> general background about how theists might respond to a Bayesian argument from evil. Is there anything special that skeptical theism can bring to the table here? Well, I think maybe. In particular, it might contribute to the first strategy arguing that the probability of evil given theism is not as low as we might initially have thought. Instead of arguing that our cognitive limitations mean that we have no idea how probable it is that God would act one way rather than another, as the inscrutability response would suggest, skeptical theists could instead argue that our cognitive limitations should just keep us from being super confident in any particular hypothesis about how God would act. So here I think an analogy might help. 
I listened to your interview with uh, Justin McRae about skeptical theism, mm. and he mentions this analogy of imagining that you're watching a grandmaster play a chess match. I think to make the analogy precise, at least for my purposes here, we should say that you have two hypotheses you're deciding between. So hypothesis one says that this chess player you're watching is a grandmaster, and hypothesis two says that he's just making moves randomly. Mm -hmm. So suppose that this player has 100 moves available to him. So the conditional on the randomness hypothesis, each move has a probability of one in 100. Now he makes a move that doesn't look very good to you. Your first reaction is there's only a one in 10,000 chance he would play that move if he's a grandmaster. So the move is 100 times more likely on the randomness hypothesis than the grandmaster hypothesis. Now, a strong skeptical theist might look at this and say, well, when you reflect in the epistemic gap between you and a chess grandmaster, how much there is you don't know about chess strategy and so on, you should conclude that the players making this move is no evidence that he's not a grandmaster. Mm. Well, again, here, as in the case of theism, I think this is just too strong. Even if your knowledge of chess is limited, you shouldn't think that all moves are equally likely, conditional on the grandmaster hypothesis. It's reasonable to think that some moves are more likely than others. You can make some predictions here. But I do think a weaker claim here might be plausible, and that's the reflection on your epistemic limitations should lead you to be a little more humble and moderate your judgments about what a grandmaster mm. is likely to do. And you can do this <clears throat> not by saying that you have no idea what the probability is, but just by moving your probability estimates for different moves closer to all being equal, so closer to one in 100. And so maybe after you do this, you think now that the chance that a grandmaster would make this move is one in a 1,000 rather than one in 10,000. And so on your new probability estimates, the move is only 10 times more likely given the randomness hypothesis than given the grandmaster hypothesis. In a similar way, reflection on the epistemic gap between us and God might lead us to moderate our probabilities that God would act in particular ways. Once we do this, we might move from saying that evil is 100 times less likely given theism than atheism to saying that it's only 10 times less likely or whatever. So in this way, reflection on our epistemic limitations could blunt the evidential force of the atheistic argument from evil, but not by making us say that evil is no evidence against theism, but by making us say that it is weaker evidence than we might initially have thought. Now, there are a lot of open questions here in this uh, line of reasoning that I've sketched, like there are questions about what implications does this strategy have for the force of positive arguments for theism? But I think exploring this line of reasoning would be a more fruitful way for skeptical theists to apply their skepticism to Bayesian arguments from evil. Mm. Well, that's great. Thanks, Nevin. And I, th I like how you kind of like broke this up into a couple things. Um, and like you're like, what should theists do from here? And one is like, hey, um, maybe you want to just like just not be a skeptical theist at all. And like maybe like bite a bullet on the problem of evil and say, but hey, maybe we have this data of like fine tuning your experience in the New Testament. that's really going to push this theism stuff um, way higher. So I like that. And I also really like um, like saying like, hey, we should have a softer version of skeptical theism because at least like for me personally, I don't want to put on a full like Bayesian cap and say like, hey, there's a 91.28% chance this would be expected on um, like maybe like atheism, but not theism, because I think that's overreaching with our limitations. But I do think that like obviously the super strong version, like you're talking about, like it's going to have a lot of issues. But if we could have like a softer skeptical theism and be like, hey, just realize that like we should be less confident in conclusions. They realize that, like, hey, they, there's a good chance we got a little bit off here in our reasoning. Um, yeah, I think that's super great, and I really like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say, like, and I kind of had this impression in the interview. I was like, I, I feel like I agree with Nevin a lot. So, yeah.
Yeah, yeah. So, so like you said, um, I, I didn't get into this, but you could also. Uh, so, giving up the inscrutability response doesn't mean that you have to think we can know the precise probabilities in play mm -hmm. here. You might think that, well, the most we can know about them is that they're like in some range. Um, maybe mm -hmm. we can know like rough comparative values of some of these probabilities, and um, that's often enough for Bayesian reasoning. Mm -hmm. We don't always need to know absolute values if we can just tell that, oh, this probability, or this evidence rather, is roughly twice as likely, um, or it's between two and 10 times as likely, given this hypothesis and given its negation. Um, that's enough to let us draw substantive conclusions about the probability of the hypothesis given our evidence. Um, mm -hmm. So you don't have to commit yourselves to making precise probability judgments uh, if you give up this strong inscrutability claim that says that we can say nothing about the probability. Um, another thing that you might say is like, well, we can still make estimates of probabilities. We can say, look, my best guess is that this probability is this and this other probability is this. And then when we run the calculation, here's what we get. But that's tentative. I'm open to revising. You know, you can spell mm -hmm. out the hypotheses more. You can, you know, give some theodicies that make me rethink how likely it is that God would allow evils and so on. And then I might revise my probability estimates. Um, and that's usually the way that I would prefer to go rather than working with ranges, which is, is messy in its own way. Um, mm -hmm. So all that to say that giving up on the inscrutability response doesn't, I think, commit us to a certain kind of like really uh, naive precision that says, yeah, you know, we can know that the probability of theism given our total evidence is 98.72% or whatever. Um, you know, no, well, of course we can't know that, but we mm -hmm. might be able to, to know some more modest modest things like that um, it's more probable given our evidence than not um, or that these evidences support it these other evidences disconfirm it and um, here's how it looks like these things balance off um, mm. so I think that we can say some of these more modest things um, even if we, we don't go all the way to committing ourselves to precise probabilities that we're, we're sure of yeah well I think that's spot on Evan yeah 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 it's great um so maybe like what are your thoughts then on like skeptical theism? Like, would you be like, like, obviously you're not going to take a super strong form. Do you, would you be more friendly towards a weaker form or you just like want to get rid of that whole project in and of itself? Yeah, I, I'm open to something more modest, like the line of reasoning that I sketched uh, at the end here um, mm -hmm. that, well, maybe we should be modest in our judgments about the, like about the probability that God would act in particular ways. Um, you know, I, I think we shouldn't be super confident that God would um, create a universe that was one way rather than another, or that God has these ends rather than these other ends. There are certainly multiple hypotheses about what God would want and what means would be necessary for God's ends that we should take seriously. <clears throat> um, and so that kind of modest skeptical theism, I think I'm sympathetic to. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't see that as mutually exclusive to theodicies, because like I said earlier, theodicy isn't an all, all or nothing game. Um, there, are, I think there are some theodicies that are more plausible than others. There, there are none that I would say I'm certain are right. Um, so I would, I guess, adopt a mixed strategy of saying, yeah, we should take our cognitive limitations into account and that should lead us to be, uh, to a certain kind of modesty, but not to an extreme skepticism. Um, and then we should look at possible the Odysseys, um, some might be more plausible than others, and we should also look at the other evidences for theism. Um, and then I think when we combine those, then my own judgment is that theism ends up looking pretty good on the total evidence. Um, but yeah, so I wouldn't uh, stake, I wouldn't put all my eggs into, into one response. I think that um, you can have all of those things together.
Okay. Yeah. Well, that's super great, Evan. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we did a great job, like, covering everything here. Any, like, last thoughts or things you want to say with regards to this before we start to wrap up here? No, I think I'm pretty happy with what we covered. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way, and I feel like this is super smooth. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed this a lot. And so, Nevin, like, how can people, like, follow you, connect with you, things like that? Uh, yeah, so if you just Google my name, um, then my, my website will come up. I try to keep it updated with all of my papers. Um I've also done a, a little bit of public philosophy, so some short, more accessible things. Like I have a, a piece for Aon Magazine on the interpretation of probability. That's also on my website, um, and it'll probably come up if, if you search as well. Um, and yeah, and, and I did a YouTube interview with uh, Cameron Bertuzzi. That's on my website as well. So um, yeah, if you just go to my website, then you can see both those uh, more public-facing things, and then also my academic work is all there uh, for people to read as well if they're interested. Well, that's super cool, Nevin. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening today. I encourage people to check out Nevin um, and his work. There's a link down below where you can follow him and connect with him and things like that. Um, and if you're new here, I always encourage you to subscribe, uh, leave a like, and all that fun stuff. Really appreciate your support of it here in Apologetics. Um, and, yeah, that's it. If you value our content, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com. Um, you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Um, and that is huge. Appreciate the support a lot. No new patrons just think that the last time we recorded. Um, but yeah, that's that. Nevin, thank you so much for joining. Um, so grateful for your time and hope you have a good day as I head into evening and it's got darker and darker behind me as we've recorded it. So thank you. All right. Thank you very much for having me and have a good night. Yeah. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Have a good one and God bless. We'll catch you.